Daniel chapter number 3, they have just been spoken to rather harshly by King Nebuchadnezzar. And in verse 16, we read, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, that is, if you cast us into this burning fiery furnace, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, that is, if he chooses not to deliver us, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. In verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against, here it is again, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Verse 20, he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. I want you to come down to verse number 28. After God miraculously delivered them, the Bible says, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill. Because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Now, I feel it is in God's plan in these services for me to say some things about character clusters. That is, people that seem to cluster together in the Bible. And I'm magnifying how their God is our God. In the morning service, I preached on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And my emphasis was, He's the God of our faith. He calls us to faith. He continues to work in us through faith. And He conquers us in faith. The Christian journey will culminate in faith. He's the God of our faith. 
Tonight, I want to use this well-known account and preach for a few minutes on the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Really, this text, verse 28 and verse 29, is what got me studying in this area of thought. He's called the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Of course, we saw this morning, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want to refer to the God of these three young men as the God of our fires. Or if you prefer, the God of our fiery trials. With the Lord's help, I'd like for us to look at our conflicts, our trials, from a divine perspective. We, we know there's sorrow. We know there's pain and difficulty. We've all experienced the confusion that comes in the journey. But with the Lord's help, I'd like to point us on beyond that. And I want us to see God in the midst of our fires, in the midst of our conflicts. You know this, but let me remind you, their real names were not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their real names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You'll find that back in chapter 1. I love the meaning of those names. The Hebrew name Hananiah means Jehovah is gracious. The meaning of the Hebrew name Mishael means God is. And the name Azariah means helped of Jehovah or Jehovah has helped. I can't help but mention that because in this fiery furnace, which was heated seven times hotter than ever, they saw that God is. And they saw that He is gracious. And they witnessed His help in their fiery trial. Of course, we've heard the song for many years. They wouldn't bend. They wouldn't bow. They wouldn't burn. But back behind all of that, God wouldn't change. And uh, He reveals Himself in a very faithful way in their fiery trial. I have one goal tonight, and that's to encourage someone who has just come out of a trial or you're going into a trial. I used to preach. Don't say amen here because I'm no longer preaching. But I used to preach. You're either going into a trial, you're in a storm, or you're coming out of one. And it made pretty good preaching. However, I've lived long enough 
to tell you that God hangs rainbows in the clouds. And the sun does shine again. My being here tonight is a testimony to the fact that life is not all darkness. Yes, there are dark times. But hallelujah, He hangs a rainbow in the clouds. And He shines upon us. Now I want to say three things tonight. I, I just basically want to zero in on their response to Nebuchadnezzar's fury. And then we'll look at the end at Nebuchadnezzar's response, as well as take a brief glimpse into the fiery furnace. Let me say first of all, that the God of our fires, who is seen here as the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is the God of strong ability. Now, it goes without saying that we at our best are weak. We're fragile. Uh, in class Friday, in my Bible class Friday, I reminded our students that John the Baptist, after he had seen the dove come from heaven, he had heard God the Father say, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And he immersed the Son himself into the Jordan River. He had a meeting with the Godhead down there at the Jordan. And still, in his dark trial, he had doubts as to whether Jesus was really the Messiah or not. And he sent his disciples to ask Jesus. I'm telling you, at our best, the best of us are feeble and frail. And fragile. We're weak. Somebody says, well, you don't have to worry about me. I'm not in that group. Yet, it may not have been revealed that you're in that group. But we'll give you a little time and we'll encourage you on the way. But we would remind you that when those times come, that He is a God of strong ability. These fellows couldn't do a thing about this. They're in a strange land. Uh, they're under the uh, jurisdiction of King Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, he brings his mightiest men in the army to bind them and cast them right into the fiery furnace that's been turned up seven times hotter. They couldn't do a thing about it. I think often... In our trials, we realize we can't do a thing about it. The pastors mentioned these folks in the hospital, these who are sick. I know when our youngest daughter, who is doing great now, in fact, pray for us, she's just got her driver's permit. (laughs) But uh, when she was 14 months of age, some of you remember me telling about her having that terrible mass inside of her. And uh, we couldn't do a thing. We watched her get worse day by day and could not do one thing. We were helpless. Uh, But the God of our fires is a God of strong ability. 
And these three brethren said to the king, Oh, we're not hesitant. We, we don't even have to calculate. We don't have to vote on what we're going to do. If you throw us into the fire furnace, verse 17, if it be so, our God whom we serve, here's the word, is able. He is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Now, the statement projects two or three thoughts before us. One, they said we believe our God is personally able. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. They, they did not speak of God in distant tones, but out of a personal relationship. They said, our God is able. We used to sing it when I was a boy. He's able to deliver thee. Though by sin oppressed, go to Him for rest. Our God is able to deliver thee. You don't have to ask where they got that for the song, do you? They got it right here out of Daniel chapter 3. Let me underline another thought projected here in their comments. Not only is our God personally able in His might and strength, but our God is presently able. They said our God whom we serve used to be able. No, it doesn't read like that. But our God whom we serve is able. Right now. He's a God of the present tense. He's the God of the here and now. Now I'm thankful for what He has done. I, I cannot help but magnify His grace in days gone by. And I anticipate what He has in mind on down the road. Ah, but the God of yesterday and the God of forever is the God of today. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right now. I said, well, I figure if we can ever get past this and maybe if we can get a few things in line and hopefully maybe things will turn a little bit, then maybe God could help us. I want to tell you, He can help you right now. He's the God of this moment. Hey, let me say about this meeting. We're not careful. We'll think about Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night. Maybe Tuesday night or Wednesday night. We'll really have a good service. I want to tell you the God of revival is the God of right now. They that come to God must believe that He is. And that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Notice furthermore, they not only said our God is personally able. And our God is presently able. But they said our God is powerfully able. Our God whom we serve is able, here's the word, to deliver us 
from the burning fiery furnace. And He will deliver us out of thine hand. Of course, He couldn't grasp that. He, he thought, who is that God? He said in verse 15, Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Ah, but there was one who had more power than Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know what your Nebuchadnezzar may be like. I I don't know what your Nebuchadnezzar uh, might, you might like a Nebuchadnezzar unto. Uh, I, I hesitate to say maybe Nebuchadnezzar is your husband. Or Nebuchadnezzar is your wife. Or Nebuchadnezzar is your parents. Or Nebuchadnezzar is your boss. Or Nebuchadnezzar is your neighbor. Or Nebuchadnezzar is that friend who is no longer a friend. And a real Nebuchadnezzar because he or she knows more about you than anybody else. But oh, I want to tell you our God is able to deliver from Nebuchadnezzar. Boy, he may be a big leader. He may be a a brassy authority. But our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. I wish some heart tonight could latch hold of that principle by faith. You could leave here tonight saying he may not do it, but he's able to deliver. He's able to deliver. Oh, may the Holy Ghost put that in us. And then look at their little phrase in verse 17 in their testimony. They not only said, or excuse me, in verse 18, they said He is able, but they said in verse 18, but if not, uh, but if not, we don't know what God may do, they said. Now, I've met a few people, they seem to always know what God was going to do. At least after it's done, they say, well, I was expecting him to do it like that. I must confess, I don't see as clearly as other people. My faith is not often uh, see-through or, or, or of such magnitude that I can see through the plan. Uh, but I tell you this, if he does or if he doesn't, He's still God. And so I would use, secondly, the God of our fires is not only the God of strong ability, but secondly, He is the God of sovereign authority. We can't tell Him what to do. We can't make Him do. It's in His hand. I heard one of the TV preachers, bless his heart, I know he meant well, but I heard him on a Sunday morning make a foolish statement like this. He was talking about prayer, and he said, if you're God's child, you don't have to ask Him. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a member of His family. Tell Him what to do. I thought, man... If you've ever been in God's presence, you know you're not the boss. Oh, you feel like getting in the dust. 
He rules. He's supreme. And so I would mention uh, here when they said, but if not, if not, they're saying something about His rule in sovereignty. He's exalted. He's in charge. Now, my dad is in the nursing home. and He's very limited. And my mom, bless her heart, we're taking her over there just about every day to stay with him. And she's as limit, just about as limited as he is. But uh, in dad's day, he was a very domineering personality. He was a small man, still a small man. But he wasn't small in what he said. And he could take over a situation very quickly because of his personality. In a way, you won't tell this to the family, will you? But in a way, I skirt from domineering personalities. I sort of get away if I see them or get around them and pick it up. You'll see me step, step out the side door. I don't enjoy being around domineering personalities because of my daddy being so domineering all my life. But uh, he would defy what the rules were. And lots of times he won. He, he, he's just that type of person. I remember on several occasions, of course this time of year brings this to mind, with all the leaves falling, Dad used to fuss at me all the time. He said, get up there and rake your leaves. I'd, I'd say, you're raking your leaves too early. He said, you need to get up there and rake yours. I said, I'll rake mine a little later. He said, yeah, after the wind's blown most of them down here on me. I said, Dad, you learn fast. You catch on too fast. But sometimes he'd try to burn leaves when you weren't supposed to burn leaves. I remember on several occasions, boy, he had all his hose. Hose, water hoses out. He had it looked, you know, like he was ready for some major outbreak. But he had already lit the fire and the smoke got up and they called. And here came some of the city fathers. And they said, Mr. Hayes, there's a ban on burning right now. You can't burn these leaves. He said, I've already got them going. They said, yeah, but you see all these hoses you got out here? We're going to help you put it out. <laughs> oh, boy, that burnt him up. They have to put out that fire. Uh, but I'm telling you, he thought he was in control. But there's a few situations where he wasn't. And dear friend, you may feel like that your circumstances are in control or somebody in your circumstances are uh, in charge but the rule of God's sovereignty is over it all we must see his sovereign rule and then let me mention his sovereign rights they, they said but if not in other words he's so much God he can do whatever He pleases. He, he can deliver us, but if He doesn't, that's His right. He's, he's in a class all to Himself. 
Uh, he, he's the exclusive God. Uh, and they said, we can't tell you exactly what He's going to do. But if He doesn't, we want you to know we're still not going to bow down to you. One of the preacher boys came up to me some time ago. And he said, Brother Hayes, do you think God... I mentioned, made a little allusion to something like this this morning. But he said to me at the school, he said, My grandfather's a minister and my daddy's a minister. Now here I am in school. He said, Do you think God will make me preach? Here was my answer to him. After we talked a few minutes, I said, Well, firstly, I don't know what God will do. I can't tell Now, I'll do my best if I'm counseling you or anybody else. I'll try to tell you what the Word says. But I can't tell you what God's going to do. I'm not God. I'm not the determining factor. But I did say to the young fella, I don't know what he's going to do, but do you think God is that hard up? That he'd call a rebel to preach or make a rebel preach? Why, he'll go out here and find somebody who's willing to do his will. He doesn't have to use somebody who wants their will instead of God's will. I want to tell you, God has the right to crack in on that situation if He pleases. He's God. He can do what He wants. (laughs) I wanted to baptize my daughter so much. Just... You know how you, you get to work. Some of you have done that. You want to do something with your family. I wanted to get to baptize my girls. And I came in from a meeting. And one of them said to me, Daddy, we asked the preacher today if he would baptize me. And I thought, well, there goes that. I don't know. I may have got a better blessing watching him doing it. Than I did doing it, to do it myself. I want to tell you, God is over this thing, and blessed is the people, blessed is the individual who'd say, I, "I believe God is able, but if He doesn't, that's His business. He has the sovereign rights to do as He pleases." What about this election we're looking at this next year? It doesn't look too firm. Things look a little shaky, don't they? I'm not here to promote politics. But if I just listen to the evening news, son, I'd be eating all kind of medication. (laughs) Give this report, give another report. And I think, Lord have mercy, that's exactly the opposite the way I feel. And that's exactly the opposite about the churches and the church people I'm around feel. And uh, it would unnerve us if we didn't have our anchor in God. But now hold it. God's over all that too. (laughs) Somebody say, well, what if? Well, if He allows us. Ah. We've got our privilege to vote, but I want to tell you in the end, we have to see God's overall. And even our authorities are in His hand. He raises people up and He brings people down. I might mention that 
with a third emphasis there, not only the rule of His sovereignty and the rights of His sovereignty, but the realms or the spheres of His, his sovereignty. Now, they're not in Jerusalem. They're in Babylon. They're in a foreign country. They're talking to this diplomat of Babylon. Of Babylon. This, uh, this leader away from home. But they believe God just as much on the throne while they're down in Babylon as they do if they were in Jerusalem. I said, but Tom, my circumstances don't look good. No, but he's God just as much in those circumstances as he was when everything was looking well. I want to tell you, I, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the God of our fires, is the God of strong ability. He is able to deliver. And He's the God of sovereign authority. But if He doesn't, we know it's all in His hands. Now let's peep into the fiery furnace. And then listen to Nebuchadnezzar's statement again at the end. I want to say thirdly and lastly tonight, the God of our fires is the God of supernatural activity. There's no other way to explain this. They they cast these boys into the fiery furnace. And we read in verse 22 that the furnace was so hot that the fellows who threw them in, they burned up. But in verse number 24, Nebuchadnezzar, who looks in, he says, I thought we just cast in three. Didn't we just cast in three? They said, that's true, O king. He said, well, I see four. And they're walking around, all four of them, walking around down there in the fire. And they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Uh, My question would be, how does he know what the Son of God looks like? But our God can give personal revelation, can he not? And he was mightily impressed that this was the true God down here. In the fire with these boys. And so I I would underline from verse 25. We see his supernatural protection. Uh, And in verse number 27. uh, We read that that there wasn't any hair of their head singed. There there wasn't the smell of fire on them. My wife and I had a little fire right after we got married. And I didn't know what to throw on it. I just threw the first thing I thought of. I threw flour on it. And it just caused the fire to just jump all over the kitchen. They tell me salt's the best thing to put salt on it in the kitchen. At any rate, I knew I didn't want to put water on it. And so I poured the flour to it. And it did all right right there in that one spot, but it went everywhere else. (laughs) Besides that, it jumped up and got all the hair right around my face and took my eyebrows off and my eyelids were just curled up to nothing. 
And uh, I, I was, to say the least, had uh, hair singed. And then several years later, I, I went by this little store. And they had a sale on men's coats and suits. Well, I was looking for a bargain any time I could find one. And, and I stopped and went in. He told me that some of it had fire damage, or smoke damage rather. But uh, I found one on the smoke damage, little, uh, the little hangers there that would fit me well. And I got it thinking. I sent it to the cleaners two or three times and get that little bit of smoke out of it. I never did get the smell of smoke out of it. And I'm sure that old boy laughed as I went down the hill from his business. But I want to tell you, these fellas were thrown in this burning, fiery furnace, and no hair were, was singed, and no smell of fire or smoke was on their bodies. How do you explain that? God's supernatural protection. Amen. Amen. Somebody said, I just don't know if I'm going to make it through this or not. I just don't y'all pray for I don't know if I'm going to come through. Come through it. Make it. Why, you're going to come out without any hair singed and without the smell of smoke on you. Our God is a God of supernatural activity. Let me mention in verses 28 and 29, not only is He a God of supernatural activity when it comes to protection, but when it comes to predomination. Nebuchadnezzar was the big man here that day. But he finishes up by saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He, he points to God as the predominant figure. He said they trusted in Him and the King's Word has been changed. They didn't worship any God except their own God. And he got rather severe in verse 29. He said anybody that makes fun of them or speaks amiss of this God, you'll be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made a dunghill. Listen to this. Because there is no other God that can deliver after this sword. Uh, I'm telling you, God is so supernatural in His operations. He can turn a situation around where you think Nebuchadnezzar is the big predominating factor. And when it's all over, Nebuchadnezzar is bowing the knee to the supernatural God of heaven. Saying no other God can do this but their God. Oh, I believe He's still able in your situation and in mine. To show Himself mighty. To show Himself supernatural. And then in verse 30, we see supernatural promotion. Now you'd think three fellows that are defying the king, and they refuse to bow down. They, they, they refuse to, to submit to His authority. You'd, you'd think they never would have a job after this. But they got a promotion. They got a raise. The king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I'm telling you, God is not going to ruin you through this. 
He's going to take you further. He, he's going to take you to another realm. <laughs> you take that. You take that eagle. And that strong wind comes. That eagle gets blown around a little bit. And the human eye looks and says, Oh my, that's too much of a gust. That's a strong gust of wind for that bird. But that wind is going to take that eagle higher. And God uses our conflicts to advance us and promote us in His purposes. Some years ago, I was preaching near Ashboro, North Carolina, and the pastor knew that I had written a couple of songs about the potter and the working with clay. And he told me, he said, Tom, there's a man here who is well known in our country for his work, and he's just become a Christian. And I wish if you could, you'd go by and just introduce yourself to him. Maybe ask him a few questions. And I tell you, I, I enjoyed it immensely. And I learned some lessons that day. And I, he asked me enough questions. I hope he learned a few things about Jesus. But uh, he had just been saved. Boy, he was just eager to know. And of course, I was eager to know about the pottery business. Because God is like a potter and we are like poor, helpless clay. And so he took me from the beginning to the end, all the stages. I saw the raw material that they'd brought in, the clay that they'd dug out there in uh, middle North Carolina. And then we went into a drying room and he showed me big lumps of clay that they'd brought out of the first group and put in here and they were drying it, getting all the water out of it, the earth's water that had collected in it. And then he brought me into another room where he had his potters working. And they were taking lumps of clay that had dried out and they were putting them on the wheels and then they were pouring clean water into them and making that clay flexible. Getting one kind of water out and putting another kind of water in. I don't have time to preach that tonight. Y'all, y'all pull too much out of me. But... Uh, in the end, he brought me he brought me to the brick kiln, the firing room. And there's two little things that happened that I've never forgotten. One was the the brick kiln was full of vessels. And I said to him, Why do you have so many of them in there? He said, Well, it costs so much to fire this oven. And to get this job accomplished, he said, we just set a vessel aside till we can fill up all the spots and we fire them together. And it was as though the Lord said to me, and you thought you were the only one in the fire. <laughs> oh, we must remember there's others going through trials too. But the lesson I would underline before we leave tonight is on the side of that brick kiln, he had a, a a little flap. I don't know, it wasn't made of tin, it was something heavier than that, some kind of cast iron, I guess. He took a glove, and he pulled that little 
lid up, sort of turned it up. And he looked in, he looked into the brick kiln. Well, he had a, a glass in the front, but it was smoky. You couldn't see clearly. But he's looking into this little opening. And I said to him, what are you doing now? What, what does that mean? He laughed. He said, doesn't mean anything. But he said, Tom, I'm a potter. And these are my products. Not just all that I form, but he said, this is my shop. This is our business. And he said, I just wanted to look in there to see how all the vessels are doing. Because he said, one may have broken in the fire. And I would need to, to turn things down and try to get the pieces out of the way of the others, lest others be broken. And the Lord seemed to say to me, and you thought I'd put you in the fire and forgotten where you were. Oh, I want to say to our hearts tonight, beloved, He knows where we are in the fire. Sometimes He walks in the fire with us. Other times He checks to make sure we're okay. But hallelujah, He's the God of our fire. I trust some heart can take comfort in these truths tonight. Three Hebrew children with Babylonian names now. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But God is still their God. And He helps them through their fires. May our hearts surrender to Him in every area of life afresh. You're standing with me. Please, your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed.